If you have not yet done so this Christmas season, I encourage you to entertain your festive spirit by going to look at Christmas lights. It is particularly joyous to see a street or neighborhood pull out all of the stops as each house engages in friendly competition to see who can outdo the rest with brightly lit hedges, oversized candy canes lining the driveway, LED icicles, and, of course, some type of centerpiece lawn display. While some households choose a giant inflatable snowman as their pride and joy, and others, Santa driving a team of reindeer, you will no doubt see at least one or two who make their centerpiece the nativity scene. From the religious aspect of the holiday, that familiar scene is what the day is all about. Heading down the street at night, one might glimpse plastic, light-bulb-filled Mary and Joseph glowing brightly for all to see. And what amuses me about that sight is that the conventional representation of the couple might lead you to believe that Mary and Joseph indeed really did glow brightly. After all, they are venerated saints. Mary has been ostensibly deified by the Catholic Church, and you would be hard-pressed to find an artist with the blasphemous audacity to represent the holy couple without folded hands, soft, comely features, and glowing halos. But today, let's acknowledge that what made Joseph and Mary saints was not how they never experienced the baser emotions that inflict the rest of humankind, and it was not how they floated above us mere mortals, or that they literally glowed from the fullness of God. Their godliness was that they overcame human flaws and pursued God's own greatness instead. Good morrow, everybody, and Merry Christmas from Stories of Symmetry. My name is Ben Laboot, and today we are going to look at a part of the Christmas story that gets left out of the pageants. Let's talk about Joseph's reaction to unpleasant news. The first chapter of Matthew says this. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Even in this brief excerpt of the Christmas story, there is a lot going on. The author introduces us to Mary and Joseph a couple that is legally engaged, that is, engaged to be married. But there's trouble, because before their wedding night had even happened, it became public knowledge that Mary was pregnant. The account, written in retrospect, 
downplays the scandal and informs us that the child is from the Holy Spirit. Of course, few, if any, people have probably heard that explanation from Mary, and probably far fewer believe such an outrageous tale. Which is more believable? That the young girl has been loose or guilty of debauchery, or possibly raped by a Roman soldier, or that God, the Holy One, blessed be He, has looked upon this country girl and elevated her above all other women by giving her a child conceived by none other than God's own Holy Spirit. Naturally, even her fiancé Joseph did not believe the tale. Thus, the next step was clear. The marriage could not proceed. But Joseph, the Gospels writer tells us, was a just man, and he resolved to be kind to Mary. Instead of drag her before the authorities to be punished as an unfaithful adulteress, he chose to end their engagement quietly. No shaming, no public displays, just part ways and call off the marriage without fanfare or unwanted attention. After he had made up his mind, but presumably before he had told Mary, Joseph had a dream wherein a heavenly being, either a messenger or perchance even the Almighty One, told Joseph that Mary's story was true. The child in her womb was indeed conceived by God's Holy Spirit, and because of that truth, Joseph should proceed to take Mary as his wife and call the child Jesus. From there, the Christmas story proceeded towards its culmination at the nativity scene on Christmas night, whereon the brightly glowing Mary and Joseph lovingly doted their manger-laden newborn, wrapped in swaddling clothes. I say brightly glowing Mary and Joseph, not only as a reference to plastic lawn statues, but because I wonder how many of us forget that they too were actual human beings with complex emotions and uneasy situations. Can we honestly believe that Mary had no apprehension about being an unmarried pregnant woman? that she and Joseph were free from rumor and gossip and probing quidnuncs? Can we honestly believe that their situation did not foster hardship? And, for today's bonus episode, can we really believe that Joseph was stolid, calm, and unemotional when he received news that his own fiancé was pregnant? Let me reread you a snippet from the scene. Mary is pregnant, and the text says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Let's talk about what it means that Joseph considered these things. That's the verbiage of the English Standard Version of Matthew's Gospel. If we read the King James Version, it says, But while he thought on these things. And as one more example, if we read the Common English Bible, it says, And while he was thinking about this. All of these translations are so very... saintly, aren't they? That after hearing that his betrothed was pregnant, Joseph's only reactions were to immediately choose the course of action that shame Mary the least 
and then to ponder the events like a Stoic. However, if we read the Greek version of the story, its original language, then we get a slightly different impression. The word translated as think, ponder, or consider is ethumeomai, and it has two meanings. Yes, it can mean to consider or regard, that is, in a neutral way. And yet, it can also mean to become angry or very upset. It's the same word used to describe Jesus before he ransacked the money changers at the Jewish temple. Jesus did not calmly consider the abuse that he saw. He fumed over it and boiled over to the point of flipping tables and driving people from the courtyard. That incident aside, Ethumeomai even appears yet again in Matthew's own telling of the Christmas story. One chapter after Joseph's reaction to the news of Mary's pregnancy, we read about King Herod's reaction to being told that a new king of the Jews had been born. After Herod considered the matter, he ordered that all infant boys be ripped from their mothers and quickly murdered. Of course, Herod did not come to that violent conclusion through disinterest. He was angry, livid, and overcome with outrage. That is how the Gospel writer chooses to employ Ethumeomai. As we return to Joseph, we can see a progression. He hears the news that Mary is pregnant. The news probably blindsides him and yields a rapid-fire series of emotions. But being a just man, as he's described, Joseph decided to be kind to Mary. I won't make a fuss. I won't call her before the authorities. I'll just call it off. Then, the story says that he thought about it more. He, Ethumeomai, until a heavenly being came to tell him that it's okay. Mary's telling the truth. Her pregnancy really is from God, and you should believe her and then marry her. In this tale, it is less likely that Joseph went to bed calmly reflecting on the unexpected events that day. It is more likely, and more in keeping with the author's writing style, to suggest that as the day waned on, particularly as he was headed to bed and alone with his hypnagogic thoughts, Joseph began to get upset. And he was not just disquieted or perturbed, but smoke out of the ears angry. How could she do that to me? My own fiancé sleeping around, and then having the audacity to concoct a story about the Holy Spirit's doing, and taking advantage of my good faith to think that she does that, and yet I spare her the punishment she deserves. And as Joseph treaded farther down this path, finally, God intervened and told him that it's okay. Mary did not cheat on him and then lie to him. Her story about a miraculous God-given conception, that's true. And Joseph, your job now is to forgive her, believe her, take her as your wife, and then raise the child with her. And as we know, Joseph did just that, and the Christmas story proceeded. The point of all this is not to pick on Joseph, cast him in a bad light, or rescind his veneration as a saint. 
I think that the reality of the situation bolsters his godliness and, what's more, presents him as a human. That is, someone to look up to and strive to emulate. If Joseph were a glowing statue in the heavens, then his actions are beyond our reach, and we can't look to him for inspiration. But as a human being, as a man who faced real human emotions, who considered retaliation and retribution and vengefulness, but instead overcame that to choose justice and righteousness and trusting God. It's a tall order, but if Joseph could do it, then there is hope that we can as well. The rote, naive interpretation that Joseph never in his life experienced an unloving thought towards Mary is unrelatable. I know we're not supposed to acknowledge the humanity of the people who inspire us, but the fact of the matter is that it's what makes them worth adoration. The idea of a perfect person is a lie. Even Mary, ever-virgin goddess, queen of the universe, looking down on us humans from her place in heaven and above cathedral altars while she and baby Jesus glow brightly and extend the hand of benediction toward us, be real now. Even Mary was a human being, and her choice to trust and follow God only has worth when there is the possibility that she was a young, trepid girl who had fear and doubts and uncertainties, but decided to glorify God despite those things. And if Joseph were only ever bland, vanilla, robotic Joseph, with nothing but love in his heart, then he's a fairy tale, useless as an example. But as a complicated man who got upset when his fiancée showed up pregnant one day, who navigated a conflicting sea of emotions, vacillated between wanting to do the right thing, but then getting pissed off and feeling cheated, that is a Joseph to whom we can relate and from whom we can learn how to become better versions of ourselves. So this Christmas, remember, that the perfect world into which Jesus was born is a fantasy. Jesus came into a violent, problem-ridden world. Mary and Joseph were real people with real problems who chose God over themselves, even though it was difficult. The Jesus story and the Christmas story are not about utopia and perfect harmony. They are about finding the divine in the middle of the chaos. The Christmas story is about how people overcame their worries and worked together to bring Jesus into the world. It is about how God entered the world to help us. Whether it is Joseph or God, the Christmas story is about how anger can give way to grace. From your friends here at Stories of Symmetry, Merry Christmas. Go with God, go in peace.